time to do Vikings Territory Breakdown Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Hello and welcome to this new and improved and much closer camera of Vikings Territory Breakdown. Yes, that's if you think that's scary, wait till you hear what we got to say today. No, I'm just kidding. The Vikings, uh, uh, well, first of all, let me introduce myself. I'm Joe Oberly, and you just saw a way too close picture of me. I'm with VikingsTerritory.com and PurplePTSE.com, and my cohort is Mark Craig, who who's a longtime NFL insider and, and writer, is the, uh, with Star Tribune and StarTribune.com, and we're here to break down the latest on the Vikings, who... Uh, who came out of their winter hibernating and and uh, came out and chatted yesterday last couple of days over at TCO Performance Center. Mark, uh, you were out there, and uh, how was it? Were they were they all giddy because there's no games played yet and everything's hopeful and and we can sell hope and and it's all good, it's all great, it's all wonderful because they don't have right. to up yet. They aren't practicing. They- they they're undefeated in press conferences. There it is. <laughs> Quasi won his. O'Connell won his. Um, Kirk, I don't know if he won his. Kirk Kirk tied his. He, Kirk went one and one in his. Uh, he, that he's kind of a five hundred guy, isn't he? Is I was say, I'll, I'll, I'll leave. I won't, won't give further comment on that. But no, it's <laughs> yeah, it's a, a lot of. Um, and I, I'm not saying they're being sincere. I'm just saying that. You know, this is the time of year where uh, you hear all the things we're hearing, the culture change, the, you know, and now with it being more of a modern type of cliche going from the fear driven monster that Zimmer was to the friendly kumbaya, hold your hand, much younger offensive genius guy. So um, we'll see. I mean, it's a lot of talk. I'm not saying that, that that it's not heading that way, but I, you know, before we start saying that they that they they got all the answers, I want to see a few games here. It's going to be like that for a while. Zimmer's just going to keep sure. getting incrementally trashed, not trashed, but uh, tweaked or whatever you want to call it, until that they line up for that first game and and the, the final gun sounds and and we find out how Kevin O'Connell and and the crew will do. Uh, you know, they're just gonna, you know, it's, it's what you do, you know, out with the old and in with the new, I guess. And it's kind of sad, but, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some truth. There. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I, every coach that's left and every coach that's come in, it's, it's the same thing. Um, you know, what, and Leslie Frazier and Leslie Frazier could not have been more well-liked in that locker room or more well, well-liked by just humans, you know, and they, what a great guy. Uh, on his way out, everybody lined up, you know, hey, we're, you know, we want Leslie to, to stay as the coach. And then he gets fired and then, uh, and then Zimmer comes in. It was the 180 to, you know, hey, we need more accountability. We need more, more drive, more. It was all the things that opposite of what's being said now was being said back then about you need a leader. You need a firm hand. You need this. You need that. Um, and not that they were bad mouthing, certainly weren't bad mouthing Leslie, the, the person. Uh, in this case, I feel like it's uh, Zimmer, it's uh, the personality, it's the it's the style, it's the age. Uh, it's kind of it's a, it's a veiled thing that, and that's because it it, it ended ugly. Like, I mean, it wasn't got never was never going to end pretty with Mike Zimmer. It was never going to end with with like when Mike Tice got fired, he came over and held a press conference and laughed and joked and slapped everyone on the back and. When Leslie got fired, we all went out to dinner uh, with with Mike. It was you know he left, and I don't believe he addressed the team. And uh, so it was that's just kind of his personality. And then I think the players. It, it was time for a change. I mean, Mike did some really good things, but it's time for a change. So now we got a we got that off season of the culture change and hearing all that stuff. And when you've been through that rodeo so many times, it, it gets a little tiresome to hear it. Um, especially it's it's podium speak now it's everything is presented for the cameras for instant you know to be written instantly all over the country by everyone um so you know I, i'm not not bad mouthing it entirely but i i'd want to see some results before we say hey this guy's got all the answers can't sell hope any more than you can right now so i suppose you got to sell it but and uh Here's a here's maybe a hopeful thought. Kirk Cousins spoke yesterday, and he told the assembly that he wants to retire as a Viking. 
And my only question is, oh, so he's retiring after next season, huh? <laughs> um, it, uh, I don't know. It, 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 it just comes off as a little bit strange. A little, I mean, he's obviously feeling good right now. Maybe he's feel like he's just been let up from uh, uh, a dark place that he's been in for the last four or five years with Zimmer. But, uh, you know, usually when someone says that, that, that engenders love and appreciation from a fan base. But I don't think that's the case here. There's a lot of people that were – you know, making snarky remarks like I just did. So what? what well, yeah, and uh, you know the thing is, uh, you know, Kirk was asked about you know what were your thoughts about you know because all the quarterback movements, all the trades and movements of quarterbacks, what, you could have been a part of that. And he, and then why did you sign the extension? And he's like, you know, it was uh, he wanted to retire a Viking, wanted to stay a Viking. There's nothing wrong with saying that. And uh, and they also he would say, you know, he's looking for win wins. He you know, to help the salary cap now. You know, some people could say Kirk Cousins at thirty, at forty-five million on the cap was unbearable. Thirty-one's not where he should be against the cap, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion. But I think Kirk had is enough awareness of when he said that he followed it up with uh, the exact quote. Here is um, it's it's why he added, you know, "I would like to play my way into retiring as a Viking. I've got to earn the right." And so I give him credit for, you know, Kirk knows where his Kirk knows he's a 500 um, bottom line, 500 quarterback on the nose, 51, 51 and two. He knows that he knows that he's not uh, gotten the wins um, that, that equal uh, his contract. I'm sure that, that you know, when you add that um, he, he's going beyond the stats, he's going by, he's got to get results. He knows that if he, if he has another great season or a great statistical season or a good statistical season and they muddle, if they muddle around their eight and nine again, they're back where they were, where they are now. And he's got that no trade clause. So to me, it's like, yeah, if Kirk Cousins, if they make the playoffs and they go to the NFC championship game or they get to the Super Bowl, then yeah, Kirk Cousins does another contract. And I think everyone will be happy with that. Uh, but if he doesn't, I think he needs to waive that no trade clause. They need to get what they can get out of them and they need to move on because you're right back where you were this year. And, and uh, if they're eight and nine or they, if they are to have a disappointing season, we're, it's not going to be the, the kumbaya uh, selling of hope. It's going to be, Hey, here's here, here were the results and they were no different. than and then the guy that they bad mouthed all this off season. So it's a big year for him. If, if he produces and they get to the Super Bowl, he very well will retire as a Viking. And if he, if they don't, and it's a disappointing season, I I say that he probably ends up waving that no trade clause and picks a place, and they they move him to someone who's maybe closer to winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, stuff changes every year. As soon as we have the results from the last year, that that everybody every new season also brings a new perspective and a new comment on how they want to handle. Right now, Kirk is feeling good, and if they do get to the Super Bowl, there'll be a bloody statue of him out front. Don't you think about that twice. Uh, you know, you mentioned the salary or his, his salary cap hit. We saw this morning that Derek Carr got a new contract three years for like 121 million. He's going to be like, what's that? 40 million on, against the cap or something like that. So suddenly Kirk's Kirk's number drops to eighth in the quarterback derby. So it, it's not now uh, should be perceived as as bad as it was. You know, I, I personally, you know, you, you said he's a 500 quarterback, but I'll still take him over Dave, Derek Carr myself. So any thoughts on that, Mark? Yeah, I mean, Derek Carr would like to be a 500 quarterback. He's probably well below that um, in terms of wins and losses. Uh, I, you know, I don't know that he's – I haven't seen the details of the contract. I, I don't know. I doubt that he's he's counting – I think he counts 19 – 19 million against the cap this year. Yeah, yeah. It's an extension. Uh, it, the average, I guess, would be 40. Um, but I don't know how much of that's guaranteed or anything like that. But yeah, I, I put, you know, Derek Carr certainly isn't in the upper echelon of quarterbacks. Neither is Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, as far as I don't think he's a top five quarterback. Um, so I don't know where Kirk's, you say eighth, whatever. That, that sounds that's pretty good. That's what I saw. Yeah. That sounds pretty good if I'm Kirk's agent. And I mean, Kirk, Kirk could write a book about how he has managed his the business side of, of the job. He, he, there might be he's a first ballot Hall of Famer when it comes to taking a gamble on himself and his durability 
and his potential um, and taking that through year 10 or he's up, I think he's 33 now or whatever it is. Um, he's done well for himself. And he's, like I say, when I talk, I feel like I'm rep. He's not a bad quarterback. He's a good quarterback who has maximized his, his earning potential beyond his, what, what he's produced. There's only one guy I can think of that's done it better than him. And uh, his name's Jared Cushing, but we won't go into that right now. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's done quite well recently. Um, yeah, Kirk is uh, it, it's you know it's going to rise and fall with him this year. Uh, everything is sunny, everything is happy, and I just a little bit too much. I, I, you know, I you go back and look, and and if and if the results are there this year, you know, it's only going to hurt uh, Zimmer a little bit more in his legacy as far as. Uh, how uh he's perceived but uh i don't know we'll, we'll, we have to wait until well, it, it all happens you know but I, you know i don't know that i wouldn't i don't necessarily agree that it rises and falls with kirk it rises and falls with the team that's around kirk and that's the difference between you know the the the, the uh, aaron Rodgers and the kirk cousins and, and you know people say it's ridiculous to compare the two but whenever you're paying them like that and they're similar against the cap then you should compare him. Um, he rises. He rises and falls with how everyone around him plays. Whereas, you know, the the ones that are in that upper tier, the supreme upper tier, they lift people. They lead people. They 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 cover up mistakes. They cover up uh, injuries. They cover up maybe some bad defensive play. As far as Zimmer, like, uh, it could be a knock against Zimmer if they play well. Well, I don't know. I don't think I agree with that either because. If Daniil Hunter stays healthy all year, if Sedarius Smith comes back to health and, and they have those two guys on the edge and then say they draft a corner number 12 and that guy is uh, one of these can't miss outstanding players right away as opposed to Cam Dantzler, uh, you start saying, hey, you know, at least I look at the context around it at least. I don't know how many people do, but you say, hey, Zimmer could have done this with this type of defense. I mean, Zimmer – a lot of injuries, a lot of problems with, uh, you know, financial problems on that defense, getting rid of some guys in 2020. So, you know, it, to me, it's, there's some context to all of that stuff. I agree with that, but, you know, I, and I'm not saying it's legit to uh, the better the Vikings do this year, the worse Zimmer looks, but I think that's the way it will be perceived. Um, people might not, uh, you know, the, you know, if the Vikings come out and they, they go great guns, they will have improved the defense. There's no two ways about it. And you can either slag Zimmer for that or slag uh, Rick Spielman for, you know, or, signing, signing Kirk and and uh, and leaving the, the defense bereft for a couple of years. But, uh, yeah, and as, dur as durable as Kirk is, um, that's, that's his strongest strength. You know, Green Bay last year, Zimmer Zimmer's head is on the chopping block. Kirk Cousins is sitting at home watching it on TV because of COVID. So, and that's, you know, if they, if they beat the Packers, you know, they, they will have, they, they would have swept the Packers and, and maybe get in the playoffs. Zimmer very well could still be here. Uh, had they, had they want, had Kirk Cousins been able to play in that game and given him more of a chance than Sean Mannion. Um, so yeah, there's a lot on, a lot on the plate when it comes to Kirk Cousins and the, and the, the role that his presence played in the fact that we have, an entire new regime right now. Well, thank God he's happy. I guess that's all that's that matters. Uh, speaking of the defense, uh, jump to the other side. We'll Patrick Peterson talked. He returned. We talked about that last week, and I, for one, am happy about that. But uh, it was interesting. One of the quotes that came out of his pressure was that he wants more targets. And, and I have to ask the question, what's he going to do, just play possum and slack off until they, you know, to try to sucker some throws in? I mean, if you, if you, uh, if you have a reputation like his and you cover your man well and – and you do your job and where you're supposed to be, any smart quarterback in their side is not going to throw it in there because he knows who Patrick Peterson is. He's older. He's not the same player as he used to be, but he showed last year that he's still got something in the tank. So um, interesting statement. I uh, just think, wondering what your thoughts were on that. My thoughts are that um, the reason he didn't get – he'll get more targets if it's not uh, Breland and Cam Dancer on the other side. Yeah. Um, I, I always – I used to laugh, you know, like you look – Whenever you're sitting in the press box, you look down, you would instantly, your eye would go to, to uh, Bashad Breland's uh, neon shoes. And I'm like, perhaps one of the worst corners in the league at the point at that time playing, and you're wearing a target that, uh, I, 
if a quarterback's under pressure and he sees those shoes, he probably just throws toward the shoes. Uh, you know, that's the reason he didn't get many targets is because he was their most competent, even at his age. Yeah. His prime for sure. Um, he was there, you know, there's no reason to throw at him. So like, he might get targets if say they, they bring in this young, uh, this young right. guy from, from LSU and, and say he's a, he's a pro bowl player, caliber player right away. They may, the older, the older gentleman might get his, uh, get his wish. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I, do like, I do love, I do like his, you know, as we talked about last week, I like him re-signing because he is a pro, you know, you're going to get the best. Out. He's going to be taking care of himself. He's going to be a fantastic person around the younger players. And he's still got a little bit, he's still got a lot, a little bit left in the tank and he come back for half of what he made last year. So it was all the way around that. That's a win. Even if they end up stocking themselves with, with a, one or two corners in the draft, there's a spot on this team for him still. I'd love to see Derek Stingley come in here um, and play. I mean, he was running a four, three, uh, four, four, seven forties at the combine. He, he, he's just what this team needs, but I, I think his stock is rising. He's not going to, he's not going to make it down to 12. You think there's a possibility that someone like that uh, uh, drops to the Vikings or they might even try to move up for him. I wouldn't think that this. Well, thing- yeah. I mean, you know, things are here now is, you know, it's, yeah. It's always, you know, there's no way this person will be here. There's no way a quarterback will go, you know, where, I mean, every year whenever it's a, when it's a weak draft class for the quarterbacks, be, there's not going to be a number, a top 10 quarterback. And they are all, they'll end up being a, uh, you know, uh, that's when the Mitch Trubisky's, you know, with 12 starts in college end up going number two overall, or you're going to see this Liberty quarterback probably go top six. I mean, you know, what, 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 people are saying where people should go or shouldn't go um, is probably not based on what the actual reality is. It's based, I think it's based on whoever the, you know, the, probably the Mel Kuypers of the world, you know, hats off to Mel. He started this whole thing. Sometimes they, you they ever go back at a guy like him afterwards after the drafts or and say, okay, let's see, you know, they grade all the people's drafts, but did they go grade the mock drafts, you know, and say, I, uh, someone probably does. I hope, you know, I, I don't want to know my batting average. It's uh, it's worse than when I played little league baseball, and I was not good in little league baseball. So, um, to me, it's like it starts with whoever like you know, establishes the mock drafts, and then you know people just feed off of the same mock drafts. I think, and it just ends up being, you know, there becomes a narrative that I don't know that teams share. You know, whenever they're they're putting together their mock drafts and. Um, that's why it's always, oh, this seems like our, this is a reach. Well, let's find out in three or four years whether it's a reach. I mean, Patrick Mahomes at one time was considered a reach, and why do they take a quarterback? Alex Smith had a good year, and, you know, well, what are they thinking? You know, well, they got one of the best quarterbacks in a, uh, that'll probably ever play this game. If you do enough mock drafts, you're eventually going to be right. If you, if you do enough big boards in your war room, Suddenly, it's going to be just who you were going for, and you'd have the board to prove it. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, I, I'm going to stop it there, and we'll come back with uh, some, talking about some more people talk yesterday and the day before, and we'll touch on those and uh, hit a few more subjects for the Vikings. So come on back to VikingsTerritory.com breakdown. Okay, welcome back to Vikings Territory Breakdown. I think that's the name of this podcast. It slips my mind from time to time. But, you know, I'm older, so what can I say? Uh, one more th- quick thing about Patrick Peterson. Back with Mark Craig here. Uh, Peterson talked about the collaborative he's sensing on defense with Ed Donatel and the whole crew coming in, the new regime, which certainly isn't uh, Mike Zimmer's uh, uh, defense. You know, we can keep talking about Mike until the season comes, and then we have to start talking about these new guys. But, Mark, wh- what are your thoughts on that? Those just words that uh, Patrick Peterson is saying at a presser, like you kind of alluded to earlier, or is there something to that? Is there a new feel around there that uh, everybody's going to be collaborative? Everybody, everybody's a part of the process to get this team on the field and ready to go on Sundays. Well, yeah, that's certainly what the coaching – I mean, it's been it's been sold from – from the, the searches, yeah, but before the searches, it was sold when Quasey came in. It was sold when O'Connell came in, where, where McCon- o- O'Connell comes from. 
McVeigh's a younger guy. It's that's what's being sold. That's the feeling that guys are, you know, uh, certainly to a man have have repeated. So that's what it is. Now I'm not saying that's not what it, you know. It probably is that. Um, but how does that equate? You know, to, to me, it's a big leap from that to that's going to be change everything. You know, I I don't know. I um, and Patrick Peterson, uh, he has a he had a uh, is interesting. He had a connection with uh, with Donatell. Back in 2011, when you know Peterson was one of the hotshot top five, top ten prospects, his last workout was done in San Francisco. Donatell was defensive backs coach, so he worked out Peterson. Uh, and and if you've been around Donatell a little bit, you can tell that he's, as Peterson said, he's a people person. He's high energy. He's he's 65, but he looks and sounds like he's probably in his early 50s. I mean, he's Just like me. Yeah, he just he looks. He's a, he's a young Joe Oberly at, at sixty five. So, um, but yeah, they had a connection and through the, throughout the years, and they were in the same division for a while. Because um, Peterson went number five overall, the 49ers had the seventh pick, and they took um, a, a linebacker. Uh, so they had a connection over the years. They they would talk, you know, like probably, probably like you do when you're coming on and off the field and stuff. Uh, so he they, 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 he always liked Donatelli, he said, and so then they did always kind of talk about that. Maybe we'll end up together someday, someday soon. So that played a role in Peterson said in him coming back. Mm. And then he into all the how things have changed. And um, where I say take some of this with a grain of salt is because, it, you know, Peterson, he's all on board with the, you know, the vibe that's going on right now. And that's good. That's uh, it's his right. But this is also a guy that, last year uh, said he came here to be part of Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is the guy who gets the most out of these older defensive backs. And um, so I, I just think sometimes guys say not that they don't mean it, but in the moment they say the things that uh, like last year, Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer is the reason he came here now, you know, you know, it's a year later and all the things that are being said, it's Mike Zimmer is the antichrist and he's the hit. Mike Zimmer and his system are on a some scrap heap next to the you know horse and buggy somewhere. Uh, so it's you know, I'm not saying they just say whatever fits today. Uh, that's kind of the, things change in this league very rapidly. Um, you know, and Mark, not and not every you know, speaking about a new different field, collaborative field. Not every player is the same. Not every player is going to maybe excel in that kind of thing where you're asking more of him to contribute, to collaborate, to whatever. Some players really enjoy, you know, for lack of a better term, the, the top down uh, methods of, uh, of Zimmer. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me where I'm supposed to be. Tell me what you want and I'll go do it. As opposed to have me tell you what I want to do and how I think this offense or defense should work. I mean, not everybody's the same. So, you know, this all sounds good right now, but it might not work out for everybody in that, in that regard. Well, you know, even the new guy, uh, uh, that Chris, the the guard from down by, uh, down by Mankato brewery there, uh, 2354. We mentioned it. Um, You mentioned it. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Even he, even he was, he, he said, I played with old school guys. I played with new school guys because he's been in Jacksonville and Indianapolis and wherever. Uh, and he said, you know, this, the vibe now feels like it's a, uh, what, what, what did he say? It's, um, this is a staff that creates the environment of players taking over and growing compared to a fear driven system. So here's a guy that wasn't even around when, uh, you know, Eric Kendricks unleashed the fear-based system, uh, quote, right after Zimmer was fired. He's doing his homework. So, yeah, so maybe he's, you know, well, it's, it's, he went to Mankato, uh, and he's, his family's uh, his, said his father-in-law is a big Vikings fan, so maybe they've been talking to him, you know, about this fear-driven, you know, this house of horrors that was last year, and everyone was very frightened last year, apparently. And, uh uh, but you know, it's it's a different style. It's a it, to me, it's exciting because it is so different. It is one hundred. I mean, everything that they've done is one hundred and eighty degrees different. Other than keep a lot of most of the same players, 
you know, everything that they're, that they're selling, that they're preaching, um, you know, even going a little overboard to be nicer in press conferences and, um, and to care about, uh, you know, lowly schlubs like us. Where till Jim uh, Suhan gets a piece of them. That'll add. Yeah. So, uh, no, I don't think anything's going to rattle these guys. These guys are in that, that new, that new age. Um, I don't think they will be, you know, Zimmer could be entertaining. I thought when he, especially when you get a little angry, I thought Absolutely. He, he got too cranky and sleep deprived and bitter at the end. But I thought that, you know, over the years, Zimmer could be entertaining in his crankiness. Uh, but, uh, he, he just got way too cranky and sleep deprived at the end. Uh, and it too bitter at the end to even, uh, for anybody to to look at that and say that's entertaining, it was more like that's sad. You know how Mike, you need to, you know, you know. I know the ends. I know that you know the end is coming, but uh, maybe handle it a little better. Well, speaking of uh, the collaborative feel and the new age off uh, defense that uh, Ed Donatel is going to. 65-year-old Ed Donatel is going to present to the Vikings. Uh, how about on offense? I know you did a story this morning that uh, talked about some of that. Adam Thielen spoke yesterday, and he, he talked about an offense being more feel offense, uh, uh, meaning, you know, uh, just not the same, you know, as the way you put it, meaningless, rigid, and requiring post-snap reads. You know, it gives the, the players more an opportunity to, to sense and feel what's going on out there rather than the the rigid uh here's your pattern go run it whether they know it or not and be there where you're supposed to be and they'll throw it to you i think you have some comments on this mark because is this the kind of uh, offense that uh kirk cousins is gonna flourish or faint in well you know i asked Thielen that and he said uh, started off saying you know i can't speak to that because i'm a receiver because he, but then he said because one thing I do know is that Kirk Cousins is comfortable with this staff and Kirk Cousins lo- loves this offense. Um, one of the best ways this offense was described, I'm not saying it's going to be the same as the Rams because they have different personnel, but you know, that's where this guy's coming from. So you got to look at the, what the Rams did and how they described this uh, collaborative feel was, I think it might have been it was during the Super Bowl interviews and it might have been O'Connell himself or it was McVay or maybe Wes Phillips or one of these guys, um, basically saying, you know, we present what uh, the framework of what they what they're trying to get, what we're trying to, to get accomplished here, and but they don't do it to the point where they tell the players like every single step they need to take. They sort of where they share with the players. It's not the players saying we want to do this, this, and this. It's here. It's here's here's the play. Here's what we're thinking. Here's what we're trying to get out of it. And then it's and Matthew Stafford and saying we're going to take it and go. If there's little nuances that need to be done or post snap reads, that there's some freedom to do that. And I, I don't believe that that certainly based on what Thielen was saying was not a lot of that last year with uh, you know being able to kind of read and 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 like receiver and Kirk make adjustments based on what they're seeing. I believe that. Well, that. That take that to me takes is going to take up. I mean, that Kirk, uh, as we all know, is kind of a he's a sort of a processing machine. He's sometimes he plays like a machine. I think uh, he can make his arm can make all the throws, but sometimes you think that Kirk maybe is too his his brain gets in the way. I think when you're watching, it, and, and I wonder how he. I mean, they're obviously going to work a lot on this, so there's a lot of practice time that has to be done and uh, a lot of feel that that. What what the good news is, that, you know, he's he's got two of the two of the best receivers in the league and and to work with and uh, and there's a chemistry should be a chemistry there now that where they can make these adjustments to this new style of offense. So uh, and he's got a you know he's certainly got a quarter he's got a he's got a, a head coach that is gonna he's gonna feel more comfortable with. You know, uh, one thing about Kirk when he was asked about uh, you know he was asked one of his first questions was you know what what do you think about Zimmer and Spielman getting fired and it was just a total shrug of the shoulders of saying, you know, Hey, been in this league for 10 years and that's how, that's just the nature of the business, blah, blah, blah. Ooh. And he said, uh, you know, then he, he and I, a little, a little subtle. And this, I think Mike Rand wrote about it today. It was like, Kirk's become one of us because there's a little, or one of, one of you, I suppose, but I've been here 20 some years now, but you were born here. <sighs> yeah. 
bit of uh, passive aggressiveness. He said he he said all of that stuff, shrugged his shoulders, and then said, "You know, it's just like me with having, or just like us having five coordinators in the past five years, or whatever it was." So it was kind of a little zing of of you know, hey, you know, I had you put me through all these changes, and then you lost your job. So little shade by the by number. Yeah. So so very 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 very. Uh, uh, veiled, uh, passive aggressive. So well, then he is one of us for crying out. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So Mike Rand said, no, if he, if, whether he retires or not, he's, he's officially become you know, one of us. Well, 26 years you are too. So like it or lump it, you still winter here. So I, you're one of us. What can I yeah. say? Um, I, you know, I, what you described, it, it uh, boggles my mind. Isn't that the modern NFL where you've got a receiver and a quarterback they're either so connected or, or know their, their job so well that they can freelance to, for lack of better terms, that they can adjust, you know, during, you know, when, when they go out on a pattern, uh, they don't just turn around and stand there. And if they're covered, they get the ball. And if they're, or they don't get the ball. And if they're not, they get the ball. They've got to, to move. They've got to, you know, find an open seam, you know, hell, you know, that's that's football right i mean you can't you, i mean if, if they weren't allowed to do that last year what a waste for two of these two of the best receivers that are ever going to come through and wear purple my goodness I, I, well yeah i mean probably some of that when there's pressure you know there's you know obviously the you know routes break our protection breaks down and routes change and then they kind of yeah. go fly you know kirk's never been a guy that's you know, every year we kind of talk about, you know, there's at some point in training camp, it'll be a, you know, can Kirk Cousin go off off script, you know, and you he, and he talk about Kirk Cousins going off script and Kirk Cousins just is not an off script guy. Kirk Cousins is never going to, and a lot of people are never going to do this, but he's never going to, you know, scramble and do a no look pass or throw with his left hand like Patrick Mahomes. Well, so, no, but a little, bit, a little bit, of, there's a little more, there's more, uh, there's obviously more structure and, um, and, and Thielen also said he, that he believes that, you know, based in this offense, that Cousins going to have more opportunities to change change the call at the line of scrimmage, uh, have maybe have more options. Um, I, I I don't think he had much of that freedom. No, I'd agree with that at all. So it'll be interesting to see because it's uh, I just I don't see I don't I'm not saying he can't do it, but when I think field quarterbacks or you know. I don't think Kirk Cousins as a field quarterback or as a, you know, off script guy. I think more of Kirk Cousins as he's got the arm to do all these throws, given the protection, he hits his spot, the receiver hits his spot, the ball gets completed, they move on. Um, but we'll see. It's uh, yeah. I think the exciting part is that, that that there is an offensive staff now that's that he's going to be comfortable with. There's no longer going to be this. Or, you know, defense old, you know, old grumpy defensive guy in his way. So now you got your guy, and, and let's see it. See if it works. That's what makes this exciting. It could work. It could be eight and nine. Who knows? Yeah. Even in Sandlot football as a receiver, if I'm covered, I'm sliding, or I'm coming back to the quarterback, or I'm, I'm, you know, all of a sudden busting deep or something, doing something. But to just, you know, to not have any of that flexibility just boggles my mind. But uh, you know what? I guess if, if there was any question, I'd love to get the answer to would be, what what went on? What was the discussion in post game film studies the next day with this team when interceptions were thrown? Where where what was the discussion like between quarterback and head coach? You know, if if uh, is it was it really true? Yeah, you got to take those chances, Kirk. Right? Or was it say, what the hell are you throwing that ball for, Kirk? You know because. Yeah, I- I think it's, um, you know, and, and not that Zimmer wanted interceptions, not that no, that Jay Gruden wanted interceptions. I think they just wanted him to trust some of the, I mean, like trust Justin Jefferson more, trust Thielen more. And he would have spurts where he did that. He also had spurts where he just looked like he was afraid to throw an interception. Yeah. And that's, that's the consistency of, of, you got the potential to do this. You you have you have spurts where you do this, and then all you have like gaps where it's like you get to an end of a game and this is your moment. And you you've done it before, and not tremendous amount of times, but you've won games. Yeah. 
and then you'll get to a, you'll get to to an end of a game here and there more than than you should, and say where it's okay. This is what we're paying him for, and it, it, you just don't get it. It's like it's not he's not doing. And, and and the people that love him say it's well the protection broke down or the yeah. if Zimmer's defense had stopped him before that blah, blah, blah. no it's like that moment in that moment I don't care what happened before right moment is what that's where he was supposed to to step up on third and six or whatever and it, it you're like oh that's that's it that's all they got um, but then there were times where he could do it so right. Um, it's getting it, getting that out of him consistently and winning 12 games and getting in the playoffs and being a, being a contender is, you know, what they should be doing. Yeah. Which they should expect from him. I mean, the difference between him and a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers is when he throws, takes that chance and throws that pick. The sense with him is he knows he's going to get another crack and he's going to go out there and rectify it. Where I think it what last year or the years you'd see, uh, if, if Kirk did something like that, took a chance and threw the interception, made the bad play, they're done. It's over, you know, and that, I don't, I don't know what you attribute that to. Some of that's a quarterback's mentality, but some of that's, uh, you know, the team he's got around him, but there's always mitigating factors. But the, the situation here is now Kirk, you're getting paid. You've got your offense is even better, going to be better supposedly on paper than it was last year, and your defensive better. You're going to have a coordinator. You're going to have a new head coach that you like that's going to going to uh, support you rather than uh, shake you on the sidelines when you say you like that to him. You're gonna you've you've got uh, uh, hopefully. I mean, you got an offense that you love. So we found out. It's on you, buddy. You've, you, it's it's time for you to make the next step to the next level in your abilities and and you know get above five hundred and win some games. I mean, it, it really is. I I I think you know you can you can throw the shade at you know five offensive coordinators. It's legitimate. It's legitimate. But boy, if you're going to say that. You better you better be uh, ready going forward to uh, to to prove that that's what held you back. You know, if you're going to make that statement. Yeah, and one one of those offensive coordinators got a head coaching job and became coach of the year a year later. So oh, who did he play for, or who did he? Yeah. Who was he coach of? <clears throat> yeah, so to me, it's you know, it's um, I know they they fired D. Filippo. They fired D. Filippo because D. Filippo thought he was the head coach, and right, and um, he, he should have never been hired anyway. So that was never going to work. Um, you know, Kubiak. Kubiak had one year of COVID and said, the heck with this. I'm going back to the ranch. Um, uh, that had nothing to do with it. I mean, that was the one guy you know, of all the assistant coaches that Zimmer ever had, other than his son and, uh, and Andre Patterson. Gary, Gary Kubiak was the closest guy to Zimmer. So that wasn't, that wasn't a rift. Uh, and then, then he just, they hired, you know, was not a smart move to hire Gary's son thinking, well, we, he's going to be the same as Gary. That, that should have been – that job should have gone to someone more experienced. Yeah. All I'm saying, it just it just comes down to you, Kirk, more than you you may want to know him. You know, I'm not – you know, I, I I hope he cares. You know, and I think he does. I mean, I, I think he's certainly a decent guy, and he's certainly uh, an average quarterback win-wise. He's got some tools. He's – you know, it's there for him. This has got to be – this has got to be this, the year that you – you you leave Vikings fans saying, okay, we took a step and we can take another step next year. If not, I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, John, go ahead. He he uh, he care. I mean, it sounds like sounds like to. I care, man. I care. Uh, no, I I don't think there's any question he cares. I mean, he even with the guaranteed money that he's gotten, that takes uh, a little care out of it, you know. I, I know, mean, but, but I I never saw a guy who didn't care. I I, I, know, I know. I didn't see that at all. I just saw a guy that's got limitations on how quickly he processes things whenever everything's not perfect. Yeah. Well, we'll see, you know, speaking of, uh, uh, well, not guaranteed money, but uh, Justin Jefferson talked yesterday and talked a little bit about his, uh, uh, someone asked him, I don't know who it was, maybe it was you that asked him about what it was like uh, to see all these other receivers around the league, get these big contracts and, and I thought he handled it cool. <laughs> it's, it's hard to ignore the fact that he may be having a payday coming down his track, but 
But you know, what are the Vikings, the cap strap Vikings supposed to do with that? I mean, if well, he's going to start talking about seeing seeing some kind of wide receiver money of now of of this this year. I don't know if the Vikings are the place that's going to be able to afford him to do that. Well, but by by that time, you know, maybe they're out there with a guy with a rookie contract, a quarterback with a rookie contract. Um, you know, he's got two more years on his rookie contract. Yeah. And, and I think guys typically get signed, you know, to an extension before they you – know, the first he's a first-round pick, so they would have like a fifth-year option on him. But he'll be, he'll be getting his second contract before that fifth-year option kicks in. So – you know, that's two years down the road. I, I asked him just, you know, point blank. I was like, is, you know, you know that he's thinking about that. And, uh, I mean, I, whatever he's making now is, is a drop in the bucket to what these guys are making and what he'll be making. And it's like, how do you play – how do you have the patience to play 34 more games and, uh, <laughs> and, and without wanting your money? And he's like, well, You bastard. You bastard. He said, he just, uh, you know, it's part of the process. I mean, it was all podium speak. It was all public for public consumption speak. Uh, I, I'm not saying that he feels differently behind the scenes, but I'm sure there's some impatience behind the scene. Uh, so, you know, he, he was just talking about uh, what it's like in the process. You've got to run your own. You have, basically, you have to follow your own path. But he did say, you know, I'm, ex- I'm as excited to see these guys, you know, uh, Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill getting averaging thirty million a year, uh, Devontae Adams averaging twenty eight million dollars a year. I mean, we're seeing stuff for receivers that we didn't see for quarterbacks five years ago. Uh, it's only going to get more. It's only gonna, it's only going to keep going up and up and up. So, so Justin Jefferson, at I would think if his if his career tra- trajectory continues um, and moves up, and now he's got an offensive quarterback, and say this guy does you know, turns him into a machine like Cooper Cup uh, where the stats are through the roof, this guy will be the highest paid receiver if he keeps going. It's just a matter of time. He's got to stay healthy. Uh, they have to have some success. They have to, you know, Kirk has to, you know, come through for him. Um, you know, and then like Dig, uh, you throw you throw Stephon Diggs in there. I was, I was amazed by that contract and the fact that Diggs signed it. He signed an extension with two years left on his contract. Uh, I don't think Kirk Cousins would do that because Kirk Cousins would be saying, hey, I, what would be my worth in two years? And I think that Diggs, before that contract even kicks in, could potentially have – so the, the pout meter could be really high because yeah. it may – he got like a, a four years, $120 million or something, whatever it was. But he got seventy-two million guaranteed. It's outrageous numbers now, but in two years, it might he might not be among the highest paid. Who knows? You know where where, the, where this stuff goes. Uh, and so he might be. You might see a time where like Justin Jefferson gets paid and Stephon Diggs is in Buffalo. The irony of this would be, hey, you know, grumbling about his situation in Buffalo. Look, hey, look what Justin Jefferson got. So that's uh. But by that time, you know, this guy will be worth it. That's what the market will be. That's where the, you know, the, the game will have grown financially. And that's just, it's just how it goes. You know, I, I, I'm going to say something that will probably get me in trouble, but because uh, um, it's not well thought out yet, and I'm just going to spew it out here. Should, should I start crafting your apology now? You should. You should. Overly apologizes. Set up a website for me. Um, I... Tyreek Hill played for the Kansas City Chiefs that's gone to three Super Bowls in recent times. The uh, uh, Diggs was the Minneapolis Miracle Man, but he's on Buffalo Bill who are going to be in the, you know, people are talking about them to be in the Super Bowl next year. Uh, Devontae Adams has been on the Packers, which is, you know, been in the mix in the NFC Championship for the last so many years. You know, Justin Jefferson's great, but has he elevated this team? Uh, more so than it uh, it would have been with some with you know maybe Kate not KJ Osborne, but you know as with with Adam Thielen taking the lead role. I mean, I think Justin Jefferson's great. I I don't see yet that he's this multi mega million dollar man like these other contracts are signing. I just don't see it, and and everybody just is expecting it. And I I know you could look at his number. He's he's done well. He hasn't caught every ball that's coming his way. He hasn't. Uh, uh, 
you know, scored every touchdown like Devontae Adams does in in uh, in, uh, in Green Bay or did. Um, I, you know, it, it just to me, he's really good, and there's no doubt. I, you know, Jamar Chase might even be better, you know, but the, 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 he's been elevated really quickly in my mind to where he is just going to break the bank in two years. Now you put another season together next year, and in your last year contract, you have another great one. Okay, fine, I'm I'm all good for it. Oh yeah, he's got to do that. But right now, it just it all the talk with this dude is like he is the next Randy Moss, and I'm sorry, I don't see it yet. I saw I saw Randy play, and uh, Justin, you're not Randy Moss yet. Sorry, another. Point. But n- nobody's Randy Moss. Yes, that's nobody. Right. Nobody was ever Randy Moss before Randy Moss, and nobody will ever be Randy after Randy. So, so you know what? You know. I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I, I just say it's premature. And I think we need to slow the roll on all the mega millions for Justin, you know, prove it to me another year. I mean, this can be his third year coming up, right? Well, yeah, he's, I mean, he's got to he get his team done the past two years. You should hold him to the same. If you're <laughs> made that money, you should hold him to the same thing you're holding. Yeah, I don't do. I well, I, yeah, that's just, no, no one does that. There's, you do that with quarterbacks. I mean, right. you don't do that with receivers. If if there's one that's going to pay be paid this much money uh, of your salary cap, you, uh, cap, you, I think you can. I think you should. It, it, you know, it, it it's it's kind of unfair to Kirk that all of that gets laid at his feet because he's got to throw to somebody, you know. And yeah, well, you could just chase yourself around and chase your tail on this one because yeah. you know Devontae Adams wasn't. I mean, Devontae Adams is, I think, probably the best receiver in the league, best route runner, but. Devontae Adams didn't break out until Jordy Nelson left the Packers. And Devontae Nelson played with with uh, Aaron Rodgers. You don't think that part of uh, – I know Adam Thielen is one of one of us, one of you. I know he's from Mankato. I've heard he, he went to – I've heard he, he played D2 football, went to Mankato. Uh, but do you think part of – if they'd have blown this up and, uh, you know, Adam Thielen ends up over in Green Bay, you, think, you don't think part of him might have been uh, energized by playing with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill is unique in in ways that different ways than Randy. But I mean, there's not going to there aren't too many Tyreek Hills, like um, like a different position, but like a Darren Sproles, you know, that like that crazy quickness. Uh, uh, but he played with Patrick Mahomes, you know. That, uh, so, you know, to me, it's I still think that the quarterback is. I'm not saying the quarterback makes all the receivers. But to me, it's more on the quarterback than it is on the receiver. I when I look at Justin Jefferson, I look at his skills. You know, you could I don't even know what his numbers were last year, but I know you know he, he set the rookie record for yards. Um, his his numbers are fantastic. But when you just watch him play, he is I well I had him as as an all you know when I voted for all pro, he was one of my three all pro receivers. Mm. I think he's one of the three best receivers in the league. And, um, but in order to get that kind of money, he's, his, he's only 22 years old. So you've got to, he's got to complete that process. And if he does it and he stays where he's at, now if he gets hurt or falls off, I, I don't see this guy going backwards. Yeah. Um, if he keeps going forward, he, you know, he's going to, he's going to be in line for that kind of money. And now the, the beauty of the cap, the way that they do the cap, there's always a way to work it, yeah. something. Uh, and you're going to have, by the time he gets to that point, you're going to have some older players that are coming off the books and not going to be around. I mean, I don't see, you know, I, you know, I love Harrison Smith. I love, love uh, some of these older guys, but in two, three years, they're not going to be playing or mm-hmm. probably not going to be playing at, at high levels of uh, uh, at high salaries. And, and, if they don't win, you know, you know, Kirk Cousins is not going to be here or there's not going to be a quarterback taking up $35, $40 million of your cap. Plus the cap's going to keep going up again. So uh, if there's not another pandemic, uh, the cap keeps going up and everyone gets paid and they figure out how to work it out. And we watch the games. Well, all right. All right. All right. I'll have to go. Uh, we'll have to take a break here so I can reconsider the heresy I've just spoken and ask. So our producer, Joe, the, the headline, Joe Oberly thinks Justin Jefferson is no good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go with that. Uh, Terrible. 
I'll just I'll just talk to Mike behind the scenes to have, make sure that he pulls this whole segment out of it and just <laughs> shit shoot cans it whatever. Um, we'll be back with more from Vikings territory Vikings territory breakdown. Come on back. All right, welcome back to Vikings territory breakdown with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Mark, did I say Mike Craig? I meant Mark Craig. I, I go I go I go by either. Okay, that's good. Uh, we'll talk into your Mark when you do that, Mike. Will you? Okay. Uh, Mark, uh, you talked to Dalvin Cook yesterday, and I didn't hear him say this, but apparently he predicted a Super Bowl win at some point. And, and uh, uh, can you talk to me about that? Tell me what happened there. Uh, I, I don't know if I was Googling something, and I saw a TMZ interview. It's, you know, it's a typical TMZ caught him somewhere out of a game room or somewhere and, and said, uh, you know, with you and Justin Jefferson, you got to win the Super Bowl. And he said, yeah, we're going to win one. We got to win one. Definitely. <laughs> and I just asked him, I said, hey, you know, and amazingly, uh, the old guy in the room was the only one that had seen this TMZ thing. Some of the other younger guys. Uh, yeah. they, if, if I've seen TMZ, they must be getting ready. Sort of like when I discovered Twitter or when I, did, when I discover something, usually that's kind of when the next big thing happens and I'm, I'm like, why can't we be back over here doing this one? Um, and I said, is that just, you know, you know, what guys have to say or what they what they want to say? Or is, do you see something in this team? And he's like, oh, you know, it's uh, – what was it? He said KOC uh, basically went on saying how uh, O'Connell came in, looked at the roster. He, he praised all the additions that they have, really likes the Zadarius Smith signing. Um and said that, you know, they feel that they have the talent to win a Super Bowl. So, yeah, he's predicted a Super Bowl, but uh, it's not, to me, it's not earth-shattering stuff because they all should believe that they can win it. And they do have the talent. You know, it's there's a there's question marks all over the, all over the map from a uh, one that people aren't really factoring in is the learning curve for a new head coach that's mm-hmm. 30 – what is he? Thirty-six years old, whatever. Um, you know, he's not going to be perfect. Um, Donatell is not going to be. I mean, Donatell is, hasn't, hasn't called defenses, I think, since with the Packers. Long stretches of being a defensive back coach and then being a defensive coordinator on Vic Fangio. Vic was calling defenses, so you know, can he still do it? Uh, obviously, a huge. There will always be a question mark on Kirk Cousins until he can get that. You know, the winning record, the record up. So yeah, he, he, you know, Dalvin Cook has predicted a Super Bowl. He didn't say this year, so that he was smart to say not to say this year, so he doesn't get every Wednesday or whatever when he talks, gets reminded, hey, you're going to win a Super Bowl. That becomes uncomfortable when you're zero and five, and you're people are asking you about your Super Bowl prediction. Um, but you know, it's there's talent on this team. It's uh, do they have enough depth? Can they stay healthy? So. Yeah, he, he predicted a Super Bowl, but uh, you're going to have to wait. It's open-ended. It could be any number of years from What did he say when you brought it up? Did he, did he give you the glare? No, no. He's, he's just saying that, uh, you know, just explain why he feels that way. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that he said mentioned the new head coach right away. But he also said he liked to be coached hard. So I don't know. That was earlier. That was a maybe a reference to how Zimmer coached or how Zimmer's coaching staff coached him. Um, but Well, when yeah. you're asked that question, you're not going to say no either. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, a, do, you, do you think you're the, you know, asking a guy, do you think, are you the best cornerback in the league? Are you the best receiver in the league? It's a, uh, it's clickbait stuff, but. Yeah. Had, I'm standing in my room by myself. I'm the best cornerback in the that's league. Right, right. So, yeah. But to me, it was like, yeah, just kind of to frame it and like, Hey, is that what everybody always says or, Sometimes you're asking questions not for the answer, but the reaction. Yeah. What's going to be the reaction? Is it going to, is he, can you see a guy kind of, it's hard to, now sometimes it's hard to translate that when you're writing because you can't, you cannot read their minds. But if you ask uh, someone about, uh, hey, what do you think of this? And they're going, oh, you know, and they, you know, you kind of get a feel for where they really are. Yeah, it's interesting. What, you know, I see in front of a podium. Front of a podium, there are these guys have all been trained to say perfect things at the perfect time and not to stray from the script and stuff. And, and you know, you, you're having fewer, fewer and fewer players that are comfortable enough in front of the podium to actually speak their mind. And right. uh, I think one thing at, at the end of last year, and I 
Justin Jefferson started doing it at the end of last year, I believe, over some things that was impressive. It was like, wow, you know, he's, you know, he, he feels strongly because he's doing it on a podium with the cameras rolling. Yeah. I, I think there's only one recourse. Next week, you got to go in there and say, hey, I heard you predicted a Super Bowl. And last week, right here, you doubled down, Dalvin. <laughs> so what are you going to say now? You know, anyway. That's just the kind of journalist we love. Uh, Dalvin also, also came out a little news. He said he's going to change his number to number four. And I, you know, I just like to me when I first saw it, I said, oh, well, yeah, good, good for him. And but I saw this tweet online where somebody said, yeah, you can change his number to four, but we all know who number four belongs to. And, and they said, Favre. And I said, I'm sorry, the man played here two years, had one great, great season, one really lame season. And he had all these other seasons across the, the border, you know, 16 for a different jersey. So settle down with f- four being fire's number, you know. Let, uh, let Certainly not here, I wouldn't think. But. No. So, I, you know, what? That's a, go ahead. That's the, that's the number I, as that's the number I think of number four. It'll always be Brett Favre. Uh, well, yes, but it, you know, that's still, that's not here though. Supposed to have a parade and retire the damn thing now. And you know, uh, with Favre, no, it was great. It was wonderful. And Favre is going to do what's ever politically expedient. He's going to go back and celebrate in green Bay when they want to do something for, we should have a, we should have a, a Jersey retirement or, you know, bring out Fran Tarkington and all those great Vikings quarterbacks with him where he had Bart Starr and him and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Rogers will have, we'll have Fran Tarkington and Favre. Huh? Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's ah, freaking silly. I love that season. I got nothing against Favre. I love that he came here. I love that what it did to the Packer fans. And I, I love all that, but it's like, Settle down as he's the – this is his number and it's it's nobody else. But it brings up a point where uh, you had talked to me about the relevance of numbers to players. I know you wanted to talk. You want you don't want to set this up a little bit, what what you're talking about there and what what numbers. Oh, we used to uh, – like friends, you know, it's one of those, I guess, end of the bar discussions where you're like – you just start with number one and you go up to 99. It's like what's the first – and, of course, it's – different for people of different ages. And it's, you just like any number, like in any sport, what's the first number, what's the first name that comes to mind when you throw a number out there? Like for me, like 32 is obviously Jim Brown. For me, I didn't, I wasn't, Jim Brown retired the year I was born. So I never saw him play. OJ Simpson. What are you talking about? Yeah. So, so someone else would say OJ Simpson, you know, to me, it's just Jim Brown, even though I didn't watch the guy actually play a game. I was on a I was on a podcast with someone one time and they were asking me about this young guy and he's like, so what was it like watching uh, Otto Graham play? And Otto Graham freaking retired in 1957, and uh, so I said, you know, I I don't know. I said I was born eight years after. I said I was I actually didn't see Jim Brown play, let alone Otto Graham. So, so so, you know, to to exemplify your point, or uh, you said that there's numbers that should associate with players and whether or not they do. And we could throw out numbers in any sport and try to see if, uh, or just one. overall, like, like I'll, if I throw a number, go ahead. All right. I'll throw a number at you. Um, it'd be a hard one. 74. Oh man. That would be uh 74. It's an offensive tackle. For me, it, it, it would be a Viking. I, I can't remember if he's 72 or 74. Uh, is that uh, uh, Ron Yeri? Maybe he was seventy-two. I can't remember, but that's probably not the guy. I, he he was seventy-three. Like to me, it was like Bob, <laughs> right in the middle. Of Bob Lilly, another guy that I never. Oh, yeah, there you go. Saw play. Uh, but yeah. Well, how about uh, how about the number ninety-nine? Gretzky. No, George Mikan. Was it? Was Gretzky ninety-nine? Yeah, They're both ninety-nine. But so yeah, George Mikan. I, I see. I don't even. I, I wouldn't even have known he was ninety nine. George Mikan was ninety nine long before Wayne Gretzky. Oh well, sure, obviously. Yeah, but uh, you know, uh, did you like seeing him play? Uh, wow. No, I, but I did write a book about it. I did write a book about him. So, George Mikan's autobiography. If you want to, want to read it. Uh, ninety seven, Mark. You're good Minnesotan. If I if I'm if I'm going solely by uh, see I, I it's got to be the first person that pops into your head. 
Everson Griffin. Now, Ooh, there, that's pretty good. There, there's greater 97s, but I, I it's got to be the first person that pops into your head. That's good. I didn't even think of Everson, but for me right now, it's it's Kirill Capriza playing over in St. Paul for the – Yeah, Seattle. Yeah. And so, so even a, Connor McDavid plays for Edmonton. They both played against each other last night. They're both 97s. What about so number ten for me would be Fran Tarkenton. Fran Tarkenton, even though I grew up in in, in Cleveland, it's what uh, it good, good for you. That's interesting. He's number ten. Yeah, you know? I had that one written down as one to say, and you uh, you know you, you know are, who number number eight is. Uh well, there's certainly Kirk Cousins, but there's uh, unfortunately that's who popped in my mind. There's other great eights, and uh Someone from Cleveland, I'm sure. Who is it? Well, it's not even a great player. It's like uh, when I when I, I thought of this, Greg Coleman was number eight as a punter in Cleveland. Wow. I don't know what he was here, but yeah, he was eight here as well. All right. Before so Greg that. Coleman entered the. Eight, Greg Coleman was mentioned alongside Wayne Gretzky, George Mikan, Brett Favre, and number twenty three. Who's that? Michael Jordan. Very good. Yeah, I, I thought that might resonate. Uh, um, oh, you know, and, and did you say something of the number three you were saying when you were talking? Who's who's the most famous number three? Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> That's pretty good response. Not who I was going for, though. That's a his, he doesn't wear the well, I guess maybe he does, but his car's number three. George Herman Ruth. Oh, yeah, the Bronx Bomber. The How'd you like? Did you like watching him play? God damn. Oops, I guess we, we can swear on this in this thing. All right, enough of that. I got a few a couple more quick bonus questions for you. A you know, I have to do this real quickly, but what'd you think of speaking of old, what'd you think of Tiger at the Masters? Yeah, you know, to me it was amazing. I you know I, I've seen so you know, I think everyone everyone kind of agrees it's amazing, but you're starting to see well, you know, like 278's the worst rounds he's ever played at the Masters. And you know, for me wasn't long ago we were talking about would he ever play again? You know, would he, you know, first of all, it was like he survived, he lived, and then, okay, then he kept his leg. Yeah. Will he, will he ever play again? And then, and then 14 months later, we're, you know, he's playing the first round of the Masters. He's shooting a 71. He's four shots off the lead. The second round, he, he makes the cut on those really windy conditions. And, you know, guys like uh, DeChambeau are shooting 80 and, you know, leaving because they're not programmed to like think on the golf course other than what the book tells them to say. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and I, you know, watching masters.com, I, I watched, I, I kind of followed tiger until he was done. And then I'd watch the, the telecast and those 78s were, it was, it's not like he was spraying it all over the place. He was hitting the ball really well. He just got tired and he couldn't putt and he's put his putting when it went away so suddenly it was like he four putted on Sunday on the fifth hole, you know, which is, can happen in front of the green like he did. Um, and then he, I don't know, some three putts where it was just like, yeah, the score kind of ballooned on him. But, you know, to me it was just an amazing performance uh, based on where he was and what we were talking about just a year ago. You know, watching him limp, literally limp up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does that remind you of anybody you play golf with at all? You know, with you know uh, uh, the bad back and the the bulky leg or knee? No, no, doesn't. Yeah, he didn't have to have someone. He, reminded you. he didn't have to have somebody uh, pull his knee out at Baker National. And... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was that was pretty. That was pretty yeah, yeah, and I appreciate that, Mark. Thank you. Uh, one last question: uh, If you know you call yourself a Minnesotan. Uh, you probably didn't see the the Timberwolves playing game last night and the glue lady who made the scene on the court. Pretty crazy stuff down there at Target Center. I heard about it, but uh, past my bedtime, Joe. I watched the tab. I watched Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Durant. How those guys? I know that they missed some of the season, but to watch those guys in a play in play in game, I'm like, geez. Yeah. I mean, uh, Kyrie Irving was fantastic, but yeah, I, I heard that uh, someone uh, how how they get it off. It just uh, yeah, well, some some gal came down, hard. You know, glued herself to the to the court, glued her hand to the the court at Target Center in protest of uh, avian flu, or else the 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 uh, 
the uh, the dying or the killing of uh, like a million chickens in one of of uh, 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 Glenn Taylor's chicken ranches. You know, reportedly that's what she was doing. And what are we what are we supposed to do to the chickens? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe it wasn't. Isn't that? Uh, uh, maybe I'll get now. I'll get in trouble. Aren't chickens there to eat? <laughs> yes, they're eventually. They should probably didn't like that either. But the the are we, yeah, are, the, 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 the Timberwolves were flagging a little bit at this time, and all of a sudden, this lady's gluing her hand to the court. I mean, what? What? Maybe she can't. She couldn't chain herself to the podium, or she couldn't hang from the rafters like they did at Target Center. So she decided to put some super glue on the court. I felt like. She must have been sniffing it before she got there. But hey, that's fine. Now no, it's going to get me in trouble. But that turned the game around. All of a sudden, the, the Timberwolves came starving back, and they won. And then and then they apparently, according to Charles Barkley and the rest of the national media, over-celebrated the win of a playoff play-in game. They didn't – you know, it wasn't a playoff game technically, but they got into the playoffs. And Patrick Beverly, who was spurned by the Clippers, the team the Viking or the Timberwolves beat, threw his jersey into the – crowd and stood up on the players table and was all you know it's in tears and they were just saying settle down well mark do they know us here in minnesota do they know what it's like to be so bereft of of even the playoffs you know or a championship or whatever i don't know joe i think i'm on their side oh my god of that, seems, that seems a little extreme for a play-in game but uh i want to know how they got how they get her hand off the court I don't know. They kind of just uh, yanked it off. But that, I mean, there's, I saw a picture <laughs> today that there's a print still there. The, the, the residual glue is still there. And I think they're going to leave. And I I'd said, you know, they should leave it in for the playoff run. You know, never how, you know, they got to have that glue to stick together as a team. It's just, it was strange. It was just a nutty game. There's crazy stuff happened. And then this happened. So it was, it was wonderful. Target center was rocking and we should have been there. And, and, you know what? It's it's all about the joy of the ride. Enjoy the ride. I mean, you know, you do if if you can't celebrate that and have fun with it. I mean, you can't act like you've been there before when you haven't. Can yeah, you? True. Okay. All right. Well, then on that note, we'll close it down until next time. We'll act like we're next time we're here, like we've been here before, and actually we were because we were here this week and we will be next week. We'll come back and talk a little bit, even a little bit more about the, the draft that's right around the corner. And what else is next? And who's gonna? What number Mark's gonna change to uh, for the next time we play golf together? So that sound good, Mark? You know, you'll be back. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mike. Behind the scenes. Thank you, uh, Joe Johnson, for putting us here. And to all you out there, skull. <laughs>